Uh, it's Nick and Chris. Uh, we just just finished recording this episode and just realized content warning, content warning. If you never heard of any of these things, don't just waltz right into this. Yeah, uh, p- I, I, here's a little taste for you. Somebody eats. Poop. Oh no 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 okay. tastes. Never just mind. No really, it, it goes too far. If you just squeamish, or you got whatever's going on, don't. Just don't. There's necrophilia. There's incest. Don't give him a taste, Chris. You just yelled at me. Oh, yeah, right. Don't. Is there... Ne- oh, yeah, no, there isn't. There's definitely... There's... Sorry. There's necrophilia. But if you can stomach all of that, not to say that that's a virtue, you know, or a sign of strength or anything like that, just saying, if you've got the stomach for it, enjoy the show. Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Kremlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. Sunday we hung out and watched Pink Flamingos and Blue Velvet. Oh, did we? Yeah, we did, in that order. Pink Flamingo while the sun was up, Blue Velvet after dark. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I'm surprised we watched Pink Flamingo. Why? Pink Flamingos. Because I just brought it up to you offhandedly that morning. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think maybe I'd like to see this one day. And uh-huh. then we just, you found it, and I'm like, cool, we're watching it. And I was like, oh, man, I know people get poop in this movie. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the mood for this, but I'm uh, I'm really glad we did. Yeah. Well, I've been interested in John Waters for a while. Um, Star oh. of Alvin and the Chipmunks 2. Really? He's in it. There's a scene where Alvin, the chipmunk, is on a plane next to John Waters and have a little argument about something. John Waters is like, that's just gross. And Alvin's like, don't talk to me. I've seen Pink Flamingos. It's like, this is Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's pretty good. Did I say that I've been meaning to get into John Waters or I've been into John Waters for a while? I think you said you've been meaning to. Yeah, meaning to. That's exactly the way to phrase it because I've never seen anything until now of his. I've seen him on The Simpsons. That's pretty much it. Uh, My exposure was the public service announcements that I told you about that he did about the whole like yeah isn't it lame that they don't let you smoke in movie theaters anymore anyways <laughs> doesn't it suck you gotta sit through a whole <laughs> I can't remember exactly what he says but it's basically that and uh, then also the iconic photo of him and David Lynch outside of a, a big boy yeah. which was sort of the inspiration for me being like oh well let's check Blue Velvet off of your list because you've never seen it yep yep and uh yeah um, subsequent shout out to a quote I read later on uh, where John Waters details quitting smoking and at one point he says it's the one thing the government did, uh, didn't did lie to him about and then it's like colon they'll kill you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I think my exposure to him was the Simpsons and I think he was probably on like those VH1, I love the 80s and shit like that. There's a chance. I spent a lot of time as a child watching those. Oh, watched them religiously. Yeah, oh. and I loved it. I was like, so cool. 
Um, I don't want to get too pretentious right now because we're supposed to be talking about a movie. Mm-hmm. But that was one thing that I was just having a conversation about, which was like, um, again, theories easily shot down. But we were both kind of in agreement that there's like a weird um, sort of like a. it almost feels like uh, we're losing grip on the context of the passing of time and the idea of eras or decades in a sense. Yeah. One of the, you know, obvious like present day examples is kind of just like, oh, look at how little there is a, you know, that there's not that much distinguishment from like maybe 2010 to 2020. Yeah. But also um, just in general, like, you know, hanging out with, you know, I have siblings. I'm the oldest of 10 and they're they're kind of, you know, Gen Z-ish. And I hold nothing against them by any means. I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, Gen Z. But uh, there is definitely that thing where they seem to have a hard time, I guess, grasping how different things were in a way. Okay. Um, but, yeah, also just, I don't know, that I, that idea. And I think it's a good and a bad thing, right? Because, like, on the, on, the, on, the, on the good side of things, like, you know, we've talked a lot about how, you know, things like Seinfeld or Friends have seen a resurgence, right? Everybody's into that kind of a thing. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's just interesting because of the fact, to bring it back, I know I've wandered out pretty far. Um, I just feel like I was instilled with such a sense of the idea of eras or or decades with shit like VH1. And yeah. like growing up and just being like, wow, badass, yo-yos. The 50s were really bopping, but then the 60s, whoa, it really, now it's more of a fucking groove. And then the 70s, it got even more funky. And then the 80s, it's kind of coked out in neon. And, you know, 90s, now it's a little dirty. Oh, yeah. It's a little fucking dirty. And then in 2000, it's, ah, oh, God. You know, polos tucked into jeans with white sneakers. This is weird, you know. See, my thing is, and this might just be because these are the only times I'm alive in. Yes. Yeah. They're for a little bit of the 90s, but not a lot of it. But, yeah, I have that same feeling. There's like a there's like a color palette and a smell mm-hmm. and like an aesthetic to each, you know, mm-hmm. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And like you said, 90s, ooh, it gets a little bit dirty. And then mm-hmm. the, the 2000s is now to me. Yeah. Yeah, like I like yeah. if I think about it real hard, I'm like, oh yeah, no, fashion was different, and Game Boys were see through. Yeah, you kind of have to think about it kind of hard a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, it just feels like if you watch a movie from 2004, it feels like a current movie. Yeah, but it's 20 years ago. Like I'm not saying it to be hip or anything. Like that. I genuinely like still to this day, I'm like, oh yeah, 90s were 10 years ago. Oh wait, no, I'm 25 now. That was a while yeah, ago. Yeah, I saw someone say I think on Twitter, but they were like, hey. The 80s are canonically 20 years ago, and I won't hear anything different. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah. 40 years yeah. ago now, yeah. Which is insane, because when I was a kid, 40 years ago was like the 60s. Yeah. You know? 1990 is as far away as 2050. Wow. Yeah. And 2050s right. when the world will no longer be inhabitable. Yeah. So. Womp womp. Learn everything you can about sustainable living now, I suppose. Stock up on smokes. Soup. And also, if you get the chance, check out Pink Flamingos. What'd you think? Uh, I guess what piqued your interest first, actually? Um, as you know, I've been watching a lot of Red Letter Media. Just mm-hmm. have it out of the background, sort of autoplay stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of their shows, Review, is where they talk about movies they've already seen. Okay. And then we're talking about it. And I've seen clips of it just all over the place yeah. for forever. I guess what clips get taken out of context and shared around. I've never seen a clip float around. Like, what's something you were exposed to? 
Um, just divine saying stuff. Just her oh, okay. quotable moments. Yeah, little it, gifts and shit like that, or what? Yeah. Okay. And also, you know, like everybody, everybody knows the movie ends with her eating dog poop. Mm, I had not known that no. until you said it to me. Um, and so it wasn't a movie I wanted to see. I knew about it, and I'd read about it, and like read about all the fucked up shit that was in mm-hmm. it. And then I heard the the RLM guys talk about it. And, oh uh, you're, yeah, that's you're at a, that point. I'm deep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just red letter media is too 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 many letters, too much to say. Yeah. I, don't, I don't got that kind of time. Um, BNL and <laughs> fundamental. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they talked about it, and I was like. It's probably a movie I, I'm probably going to check out one of these days. I don't know when. Yeah. I might. And then, you know, 12 well, yeah, hours. I guess you really didn't know when. 12 hours later, I was talking to you about it, and 13 hours later, we were watching it. Yeah. Um. And so, anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. Uh, from my understanding, the general consensus from making it was John Waters was like, uh, I want to be, you know, well known for making the most fucked up movie I possibly can, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely is. Um, I can't tell you what any of his other movies are or called. Polyester's one. Okay, I that's one I you. definitely want to check out. Um, I know that this is this one. Pink flamingos is the first of three in the trash trilogy. Cool. You know, so here's a little shallow knowledge I've gathered. Um, yeah, I didn't know how much I would like it. Because I'm not a huge fan of shock for shock's sake. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, I feel like that stuff kind of takes a little bit of a backseat to everything I enjoyed about this movie. Really? It feels very much so like just people making a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story's ridiculous. You gotta kind of have one foot out of reality for it. Mm-hmm. But I like it. And it was surprisingly very, very, very funny. I mm-hmm. laughed out a lot a few times in it. Mm-hmm. And it's not even so much like just the gross shock value. Some of that stuff. Yeah, and usually life. we sleep good as shit. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> like just uh, just delivery and absurdity of lines and stuff like that. Like, divine. What are your political? Uh, what are your political views? <laughs> Kill everyone now. It's <laughs> so good. I love it. Um, or what's the? I, I, can't, I can't remember the exact wordage when she's like. You stand, uh, you know, uh, charged with the crime of assholism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even just uh, her mom who sits in a baby cage in her Where's underwear. Where's the Eggman? And just wants eggs and is yeah. in love with the Eggman. I'm starving. When's the Eggman going to come? As long as there are chickens laying eggs and... Uh, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember the, yeah. the quote. But as long as there are chickens making eggs and cars rolling and feet walking me, I'll be bringing you your eggs. <laughs> But what if there were no more chickens and there'd be no more eggs? It could happen. It could happen. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think uh, when we first set out to watch it, I found a free stream of it um, that was in just dog shit quality. Pun intended. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, it also had, who knows, Croatian subtitles. No oh, idea, right? It was Spanish, you racist. And don't get me wrong, I was eating it up. Pun intended. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned it, and you're like, oh, yeah, this feels exactly like something we shouldn't be watching. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> and that's that's how I'd, I'd, I'd sum up the movie. Um, is, yeah, it's, it's one of those odd things that 
I mean, I guess it's the 70s, so what, we just discussed how the 80s were 40 years ago. You know, wild to see something that's 50 years old and it still feels like something you shouldn't be watching. Yeah. You know, it yeah, still definitely. feels almost like a secret, right? Like you've found something. Yeah. This is probably the most in my life that I've ever felt like, oh, shit, I found a cult movie, you know? Because a lot of movies can be called cult movies, but it's like that thing you're always talking about with like, uh, uh, oh, you guys don't even know about Thundercats. And you're like, yeah, I fucking know about Thundercats. And I feel like a lot of cult movies have that status, right? Um, like I've even s- I've seen VH1s. I love the 80s. Yeah. I know what you're talking e- about. But even things like, you know, even things like, I don't know, and, and just thinking off the top of my head of even like, I guess like, you know, uh, you know Donnie Darko or like Big Trouble in Little China or like Evil Dead even. Like they're at such a level where like, you know, you'll be watching fucking the reboot of iCarly and like, you know, here comes Spencer in like an Evil Dead 2 t-shirt or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Again, like I said, I know of John Waters. I personally have never actually heard anyone say anything or make any reference to Pink Flamingos. That at least stuck with me, I yeah. guess. All right, so it really does feel like a thing that's just under the radar. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It, the shock doesn't necessarily stick with me. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this shock because it is offensive and fucked up, but also it never seems like um like intentionally like nasty in a mean sense yeah or like malicious right like it's 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 almost like uh, we should have paired it almost with like seven right because it's almost the polar opposite of seven but inside of the same lane okay right because they're both movies that are going for the shock right yeah but seven's like oh isn't this dark and fucked up and uh you know uh pink flamingo is much more playful where it's like look we're dark and fucked up you know and i i think overall it's very it's a very charming movie and i think to this day it's still uh again like shockingly subversive yeah and another conversation i was having uh independent of uh, you because i have relationships outside of our friendship um but we were just kind of discussing that like I know it's not often, but you know it, it's it's just one of those things where like I don't know how to describe how subversive it still feels, and yet I feel like a lot of the stuff that's in it is a lot more commonplace these days. Like to a degree, you could see stuff almost in that realm on Adult Swim, like any night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and it's and you're just kind of talking about how like mainstream like subversion and also even things just like let's take it away from the subversion but even like camp have become in a sense right and like hollywood's trying to like kind of bank off of camp right now with like things like cats yeah or whatever you know um and like i say or rather to clarify what i'm saying it's so interesting to see such a raw pure form of something yeah that i see in a much shallower sense everywhere these days right um, so like I said, yeah, I was, I, I, yeah, I, I like the movie, uh, quite a bit. I would recommend it, but you know, with quite a bit of caveat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, you yeah. know, it's it, it, to bounce off what you're saying. Yeah. It, I definitely get that, but there are definitely large chunks of this and it makes it feel overall where I'm like, I have never seen anything like this movie. Yeah. And that's what yeah. really gets me about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, there are, like, yeah, all the weird, yeah, gross shit that you're right. Yeah, you could see on Adult Swim. But there are there are still scenes like the chicken scene where I'm like, 
I'm never going to see that again in my lifetime unless I rewatch Pink Flamingos. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to. I no. definitely don't. It was uh, hard, hard to watch. That um, was very hard to watch. Not to say I agree with John Waters, but in that we watched a version that includes a, a like 20 years later, like, hey, here's some cut stuff. And he mentions like, you know, people were always mad at me. Like, how could you do that to a chicken? And he's like, well, I eat chicken. I, I eat chicken. I think, yeah. I think his exact quote is, I don't think it got on my plate from a heart attack. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, All right, I guess. Yeah. Also at the same not time. Not to say I'm in the, I agree with him this way, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, you're in a gray area where I'm not going to tussle there, I guess. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on this, John Waters. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on this chicken. It, Yeah, I, I, I think I am stealing this from Red Letter Media. Very sorry. But I think it's just a great way to sum up this movie and what I think is so good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them said they watched this back-to-back with clerks when they were like 13 which is very funny because you have not mentioned this to me yet and already off the bat i was gonna say that it has a very big clerks quality to me which kind of ties into the thing you're saying earlier where it's like you're watching something that just people were just woke up one day and they're like oh we're making a movie yeah right? exactly and it's yeah. got the same kind of charm i think yeah what they said was they're like yeah i watched clerks and i was like oh anyone can make a movie mm-hmm. and then i watched pink flamingos and i was like oh anyone, anyone. <laughs> yeah anyone can make a movie about anything, anything. Okay, yeah yeah and, that's an uh, interesting quote yeah and yeah it just feels it's just feels like a guy and all of his friends decided to make a movie i think yeah i think the budget was what like twelve thousand dollars yes. or something like that a little bit more in seven in seventies dollars yeah you know today it seems like huh but it would have been a little bit more in seventies dollars yeah. but still it's nothing yeah and a lot of shit that very much so is like like by the way, like you can see like posters and stuff on, on the walls and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this is just somebody's house. Yes, I kept thinking that. I was like, is this John Waters' house? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then yeah, they they burn that trailer at the end. So either eleven thousand dollars of that budget <laughs> went to the trailer, or they just found that trailer. Yeah. And like, well, it's just sitting in this field already. We mm-hmm. can light it on fire. No one will know. Yeah. Um, it also plays a bit like uh, just as a side note, I didn't know where to squeeze this in. Uh, the whole idea of like, oh. Divine is the nastiest person alive, and then there's the Mables or Marbles or whatever, right? Yeah. Marbles, and you know they got the red hair and the blue hair, and I was like, they're Team Rocket. This is an episode of He Man. <laughs> this is an episode of He Man. It's, it's just Skeletor and Skeletor's life being like, no, we're gonna fuck up He Man's thing just cause, you know. And that's that's kind of. It, it, I was the whole time I was like, wow, it's like so like. Uh, just a group of people being like, yeah, but our version of it. Yeah, know? yeah, it is. Very, it's so goofy. Yeah. I love it. It's so like, it's so goofy and so over the top that one of the main plot points in the movie is that these two people kidnap teenage girls and their butler rapes them and they sell the babies to lesbian couples, and it's not even the first thing I think about when I think of the movie. <laughs> exactly, and when it happens, sometimes I'm like. She's kind of funny. I like, will say the lady in the basement who's like berating the butler the whole time. She probably acts the best, and also yeah. it is kind of again like fucked up funny. Because the whole time she's just like, "You bastard! How could you do this to me? Oh, I bet you're gonna kill her too, aren't you? Won't you get this fucking body yeah. out of here?" It's been dead. There's a dead girl down here for three days. You can't and the even way get she's just standing there, she's just yeah, yeah, standing yeah. There holding her pregnant baby, and it's awful. Um, and it reminds me of the book you just read, American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which would naturally segue into us talking about American Psycho, but it's gonna take a side. Yeah, uh, it's gonna 
hit the bench for a second just because yeah, i find another movie to pair with yeah i would much fit together really no well. disrespect to that film it's great but you know it's, it's immediately after watching these two i was like these are the ones we're going to talk about yeah. these are the ones yeah we're talk i don't about. got a lot to say about american psycho i um, also don't i was even thinking like maybe we could squeeze it in three to an episode but neither here nor there let's watch heathers or something with it okay and proceed and like yeah it's it, it does it it very specifically with the butler and the girls in the basement it definitely pushes it over the edge for me where I'm like, I do think it's kind of funny that the butler's like, I don't want to touch these girls. I got to find out a better way. And he's just jerking off into a syringe. And I'm like, that's pretty funny. And mm-hmm. then they show him put the syringe in the like, knocked out girl's vagina. Yeah. I'm like, I don't find this funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, to be f- honest, I think the tagline sums it up the best. An exercise in bad taste. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things Absolutely. where you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, that is funny. And you're like, oh, wow, they're really going to take it there. But you never, as offensive it is, as it is, it never got to the point where maybe it says more about me than whatever. But, yeah, it was just always like, okay, well, I'm going to let it slide. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's how yeah, I felt the whole time I was watching. I was like, oh, I'm going to let it slide. Uh, yeah. It's like, okay, I guess it's the 70s. I will say uh, there's also a scene where Divine blows her son. <laughs> yeah, I uh, forgot about that. But honestly, yeah, the, the thing that was honestly probably the hardest to stomach, whatever, was probably eating the dog shit, but mainly because Divine spends a lot of time, like, pushing it through her teeth and, like, with her tongue and stuff, and I was like, oh, my God. They're really, 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 you know, really trying to... Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, that shit... I, the chicken stuff got me more. Uh, you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely fucked up, but, God, because I just, like... That's so much more sensory. Like, I could imagine it in my mouth. I could imagine what it tastes like. Yeah. Imagine not only not immediately spitting it out, but instead playing with it in your mouth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. But you're right. Cruelty to animals is definitely worse. Uh, something we have not mentioned yet that I would like to shout out real quick. The way that John Waters affects as the narrator. Yeah. So Something so funny about it. At, like, at the end when he's like, and now, dear audience... I assure you, this is the real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Divine just goes for it. Also, um, fucking so unbelievably funny to me. I don't know why, but because it's so out of. I think it, like even everything we've said in this movie, this is just so out of left field to me. But at one point, they call the cops on Divine and her family in a party. Oh, she's yeah. in a party she's throwing, and you just saw a dude almost prolapse his asshole. Yeah, that was wild. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was wild. And then the cops show up and they eat the cops. <laughs> it was such a funny scene though, because it's set to a song, and they all hide inside of the trailer until the cops come up. Then they come out with weapons. They beat the the cops to shit, and then they eat them. <laughs> you know, like even you just saying it right now, I'm like. <laughs> I'm just la- it's yeah. it's so absurd. Probably my favorite scene. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, I love it. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to rate it. Yeah. NX. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. I don't think I And also, able- I'm sure I said it already. Charming. Mm, I wouldn't say it's charming. Yeah, I'm going to say charming. It's got a charm. Okay. Uh yeah, I can I can agree with that, I yeah. think. I don't know what I would rate it. I don't think this is a movie I can rate. That's uh, what I was saying. I kept thinking about it. I was like, fuck it. It's an X. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> in the best way possible, not in a bad way. I don't think I... I don't know if I know anybody in my life besides you that I'd be like, oh, yeah, you should watch Pink <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but I can't wait to see. As soon as as soon as I meet that person, I'm hanging on to him for deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's curious, right? Like, Because you recommend so often and people will not necessarily mm-hmm. take it up but imagine that's the time they do you know? yeah yeah and there's just something about 
yeah, like even I talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but it's it's like yeah, it's a movie where somebody's dog poop at the end. As much as I'm uh, don't want to see that, there's a part of me that's like, I gotta see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't it part of the Criterion Collection? I don't know if that one specifically is in. I I couldn't necessarily confirm, but there are at least three in there. I want to say Pink Flamingos is. Yeah. 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 I want to say Pink Flamingos is. So fucking funny. Yeah. Ugh. Well, day turns into night. I eat a breakfast sandwich. We make some coffee. We have an intermission. Suddenly the skies are beautiful blue, velvety, sort of tone. Not necessarily texture, but tone, shade. And we watch Blue Velvet. I'm just trying to think of something I could say. I was like, yeah, and then I heard something with my ear, but I couldn't get something that was funny, funnier than that, and that wasn't even funny. Yeah. Um, How are we, the anticipation going into this thing, excited? You know? I, was, I was very excited. Um, as someone who likes David Lynch a lot, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. Um, and I'm always hesitant to, because I'm like, yeah, I gotta be, I gotta be in the right mood for it. Mm-hmm. And this and Eraserhead both, mm-hmm. I watch them, I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. They both feel way more... Everything I watch from David Lynch is way more straightforward than I think it's going to be. Yeah. Like, there are still, you know, weird David Lynch bits in it, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm I'm always expecting, you know, Twin Peaks Season 3 for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, but, yeah, this is a movie I've been meaning to watch for years and years and years and years. Um, and I, the yeah, anticipation for it is so high that I just never really got around to it. And then... Yeah, just the same day as Pink Flamingos, I was like, ah, I gotta watch Blue Velvet. I just really got a hankering to be like, ah, I got, I want to watch this movie. And then I said it to you, and we did our double feature, mm-hmm. uh, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, um, lo- love me Kyle MacLachlan and anything that he's in, uh, especially David Lynch stuff. Uh, I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again a thousand times more probably. Would have made a real cool Superman at any point in his life. I think he'd make a cool old Superman. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, I love it for all the reasons I like all David Lynch stuff. It just has a tone and it has a stink to it. Um, it just shit happens that bums you out, but at the same time, I can't stop watching. Yeah. Um, I don't think it is. I don't know. I want to say subtle as I thought it would be, but I can't really think of David Lynch stuff that's subtle. Um, but like, yeah, we just started it and um shows this beautiful serene picture perfect neighborhood colors are really, really popping really pops feels very dreamy and stuff like that and then it like closes in on a lawn and he gets like closer and closer and then just underneath the surface there's all these gross bugs that are making all these weird sounds and stuff like that and i was like all right this is a little, <laughs> this is a little much for me but then yeah i loved it as it went on um um i don't have a lot to say until we get into like the nitty gritty of it, so Chris, what do you think about Blue Velvet? This is the second time you've seen it, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. I also don't necessarily know where to start, except to say perhaps the thing I'm going to say about it mirrors your opinion about David Lynch. Like, I feel like I should have something way more, yeah, you know, wild to say about it. But it just reminds me, and it feels so exactly like taking a walk late at night. Um. You know, there's just like Kyle MacLachlan at one point says, like, I'm involved in the in a mystery. I'm in the middle 
of a mystery. And I just feel like any time that you're walking around at night, you feel like just at any time, like a car might pull up and ask you to get in, and suddenly you're in yeah. the middle of this fucking thing. Yeah. Or like, you know, a door might open and someone comes out and they're like, What do you think about this? And you're like, I, I don't know. And they're like, Well, come on in here and help me figure this out. And you're like, Oh, okay. And, you know, the next thing you know. And that's just kind of how, uh, maybe, I don't know. I just, I, that's how I feel, I guess, when I walk in. It's yeah. happened before. Like, a little anecdote. Uh, one night, me and Steve. Uh, an old friend where we're, we're driving out to Port Huron about an hour away from we live where we live and uh, I think we had the intent of going to a cafe called the Raven uh, which is this neat little it's actually kind of a fucking restaurant <laughs> we didn't know that at the time um, that it kind of has this like old bookstore kind of Hogwartsy kind of vibe okay. you know um, feels weird to say a Hogwartsy in an adjective sense, but you get what I mean. And it's modeled a bit around like the Gothic and Edgar Allan Poe, hence the Raven. And it's just you know nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, probably you know early fall, pretty dark already. Get out there, it's closed, but whatever. We're enjoying the drive and just kind of chatting. And we pull up to this red light. We get the windows down because we're smoking, because uh, we were nineteen and cool. And there's just the guy in all black sitting on the street corner. Could be I don't. Again, this is. I'm going to pull another hack apple off the hack tree, but homeless or hipster? <laughs> no way of knowing. Yeah. Until, you know, he's like, hey, you know, and he's like, can, I, can you guys give me a ride real quick? And Steve was like, uh, sure. So the guy gets in the back seat, and then obviously, it's a little stinky. I don't mean to be mean. And we were like, okay, well, homeless. And just for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, we're like driving around, and we're like, hey, dude, you know, where where do you want to go? And he's like, oh, just, just up here. And we're driving around, and he's like, where now? And he's like, uh, you know, take a left or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, definitely at this point, my mind's starting to race a little bit like, okay, he's behind me. What if he's got a knife and he just stabs me in the neck or something? This is crazy. And it's very quiet. We're not really talking to him. He's not really responding to questions we're asking. And we're just like, where? And, you know, here. And, you know, suddenly we're like in this little like, uh, you know, like condominium complex, minium complex. And, uh, you know, we're just like in the middle of a parking lot driving. And he's like, you know, which house? And he's like, uh, you know what? Just right here or whatever. And so we stopped just in the middle of this parking lot by like a dumpster. And he got out, and we were listening to some song that said, like, God damn, or something like that in it. And he goes, uh, you know, you really shouldn't listen to music that blasphemes like that. And then closed the door and walked off into the night, and then we drove home. And so that's obviously not as fantastical as a David Lynch yeah. film or whatever, but it, it's just one of those things. So that's, that's, that's what Blue Velvet feels like to me. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but it's a story that you were reminding me of. I wasn't there for this. Uh -huh. It's a story of like my my gang of friends. After like a, I don't know, we're like what like fifteen. Like none of us can drive yet, and I split off from them and they go fuck off into the night, and they like walk to a friend's house who lives on Eight Mile, and then they walk back up to like twenty five, I think. And then they're walking back to that guy's house again because, you know, they're just young kids with nothing to do. Let's just walk around. And I think it gets to, like, 3 in the morning. And they're, like, just... No buses are running out late or anything like that. So And they're, like, too tired to walk. So they're like, okay, we'll sit down on this bench, we'll sleep for 15 minutes, and we'll keep walking until we get to another bench, and we'll sleep for 15 minutes, and we'll walk to another bench, and we'll sleep for 15 minutes. And they do that, like, two or three times... And they get to, like, I think the movie theater on 15 and Gratiot. Mm -hmm. And a guy in a car pulls up and goes, hey, Justin. That's the guy whose house they were going to. They're like, I know your mom. No, I don't even think he said his name. He was like, hey, I'm friends with your mom. 
he's like, yeah. He goes, yeah, we used to go to high school together. I know her. Blah, blah, and, you know, um, what are you guys doing out here? I'm like, I'm just trying to get back home. And he goes, I can give you guys a ride. And I'm like, I don't know, man. And he's like, no, seriously, I'm friends with your mom, which is exactly what someone who's trying to kidnap you says. And he goes, and look, I went to, here's like a, a Clintondale school ID. I used to go there, and I was a Marine. Here's my Marine's ID, so you know I'm on the up and up, which... <laughs> um, and they're all so fucking tired. I think it's like five of them that they're like, yeah, fuck it. And they get in this guy's car, and he's just driving down Gratiot, and he's like taking the long way or something like that. And one of them goes, listen, man. We've had a really long night, and we're super tired. It's just, if you're going to kill us, just kill us. And he's like, what? And he's like, none of this adds up. We're just, uh, just if you're going to do something, just do it. He goes, no, I'm taking you guys fucking home. And he just brought him to their <laughs> friend's house and fucking left. I hung out with his mom for a bit, and then left. That was it. Wild. I will say this is probably my least favorite thing I've seen from David Lynch. Okay. But I liked it nonetheless. I liked it a lot. It was just missed anything I was expecting mm-hmm. from a David Lynch thing. It's a very contained David Lynch yeah. story. Yeah. Like, I feel like what I love the most about David Lynch stuff is A, atmosphere, mm-hmm. and B, just the, I guess, the abstractness mm-hmm. of parts and bits. And, like, I talk about it, we talk about it all the time. But my favorite thing very much so about Twin Peaks is, you know, everybody has a different idea of what happens in Twin Peaks. Mm. And I really like that. And, yeah, I feel like Blue Velvet is very, very, very straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I said that about Eraserhead. I think Eraserhead's pretty straightforward as well. But there are a lot of things here and there in Eraserhead that you're like, I think this is what's going on mm-hmm. here. And someone else can have a completely different thing and be like, oh, that's cool to think about it that way. But mm-hmm. I feel like Blue Velvet... I know what happens to Blue Velvet. Yeah. You know what happens to Blue Velvet, and it's pretty much straightforward. Yeah. Um, I do like little weird, unexplained things that you can like fill in the blanks with your own head, um, which is what I was basically just saying. There are a few of those in here, but it's to a lesser degree, I guess. Yeah. Like um, Frank with the mask. Mm-hmm. What's he doing with that? Is that drugs? Does he need that to breathe? Is that how he jerks off? I don't know, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the weird house that they bring Kyle McLaughlin to after he catches him with his girlfriends. And there's the guy that sings, and that's where they have her uh, 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 son and stuff like that. It's like, what's going on in this house? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love it. Why is this guy's face six shades lighter than the rest of them? I don't know, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I talked for a while. Go on, say something. Um, you're right. I think that this is a movie that doesn't... I don't know what the turn of phrase would be like. I guess, like, bury the lead at any point or anything like that. Yeah. You know, finds an ear in a field. That's pretty wild and zany. And, like, oh, what could that mean? But it really just actually serves a plot purpose in the sense that it's Frank's got this jazz singer's husband and kid held hostage, and it's been cut off of her husband. Right. Uh, So it leaves kind of little to be interpreted unless an ear is supposed to mean something. But I I just Uh kind of get the sense in the film that like if that were the point it didn't really push that point or pursue that point too much um Kyle McLaughlin plays a young boy who's um yeah displaying a trait that it seems like a lot of you know movies kind of uh you know 
give to young boys. I didn't. I don't really feel like I ever necessarily went through a hard voyeurism phase, but absolutely not. That no. happens very frequently. I mean, not to call the man a boy, because I think what was it like Rod Stewart? No, that's a fucking singer. But the guy who was in damn Rear Window, Rear Window, or whatever, is all about him binocular spying on people and whatnot. Fun fact: in the eighties, Rod Stewart had to get his stomach pumped because there was so much semen in it. Oh wow. Yeah, I think that's um, just an old wise tale, but yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So he's you know wants to sneak in as a kind of good scheme that you know, whatever where they they're like oh you're gonna be a Jehovah's Witness and I'm gonna go spray this jazz singers or whatever you know and steal her keys or Jimmy the Window or whatever and he ends up in the closet um, and all of those things are fine like I said from like a plot functionality kind of thing it, it does operate on like light dream logic where you're like yeah. yeah well you know this is a little it's almost you know like the pink flamingo like camp to a degree right okay um and yeah like I say like I don't know there's just moments right like I really do like him in the closet and like as he gathers all these things where she's on the phone and she's crying and she's pulling that out of the underneath the couch and she's getting undressed and taking the wig off wig only comes off once in the movie very odd right there's a lot of little odd things like that that stay with me I be, yeah, I really, I really like the scene of him in the closet um, because it keeps cutting back to him in the closet to remind you that he's there. Mm-hmm. But when you see her doing all of her stuff, it's not like you're ever watching it like through, through slits or through whatever, slits or anything yeah. like that. Slants. It's always just that. Well, I don't think it's always. I think it might change here and there. But the camera, whether it zooms in or not, stays in that spot. So the whole time, it feels like you are watching this person in a way that you're not really supposed to be watching. Like, she takes a robe off and she walks down the hall and she's in the bathroom and you just see her on the left side of the screen and the little slit between the mm-hmm. hallway and the bathroom. Until, yeah, she eventually finds him. Which, why wouldn't... That, uh, again, it's, dr- it, like you said, it's dream logic, but that got me. When she, like, walked towards the closet, he, like, wouldn't hide, hit on the other side, but mm-hmm. when she eventually opens it, he doesn't move at all. Yeah. Very strange. Um, I feel like I cut you off. Oh, no, 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 not necessarily. Uh, there's also the double Ed, the two workers that his dad's hardwood or hardware. Oh, okay, store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, the blind man's the one who, you know, always rings stuff up and can tell, you know, how many things. I guess Co- he's got the Co- shrine. forgot about them. Or maybe he's not blind. Yeah. He's a liar. Uh, what else happens? There's uh, the sort of classic jealousy scene, which features a memory that, at least from the art life, I gather is a real memory of David Lynch's. It says his earliest memory is being outside after dark with his brother. He's very young, like five, riding bikes and whatnot, and he just remembers a woman with blood all over her coming out of the forest and just his mom coming outside and being like, oh my God, what's going on? And taking him inside and stuff like that, and him just being fascinated with that. I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's an interesting thing, I think, honestly, where like... I don't know, again, like kind of dream logic or whatever, where like she shows up in the middle of Laura Dern's boyfriend being like, you fucking stole my fucking girl and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah. what is that, your mom? And then by the end of it, he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. But didn't know what? Like yeah, that exactly. you had so much going on in your life, I guess, yeah, so that yeah. you're a human being. Is it supposed to be a humanizing moment to be like, hey, I think so, got yeah. shit, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, there's just like horribly awkward moments that work almost on a comedy level, like when she's naked in Laura Dern's parents' living room and the mom comes in and she's just like, he put his disease in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kept shouting and I was like, she doesn't fully understand. I, I think, you know, she's being a little more symbolic. I don't have a disease. I didn't, I'm not going to give your daughter a disease. I don't know what she's <laughs> talking about entirely. She's really eccentric, I promise. Yeah. Uh, I do love, we, we, we talked about this while we were watching it. I love like stopping to think in the middle of the movie and being like oh comic Culkin's spinning a lot of plates here mm-hmm. he's seeing a girl who has a boyfriend his dad's oh, in the hospital yeah first of all he's in college came to town because his dad's in the hospital is mm-hmm. seeing a girl who has a boyfriend and is now seeing this other girl who caught him in her closet <laughs> and by all accounts she thinks he's just a pervert mm-hmm. and also a, an exterminator um who is spying on her and she also has a boyfriend but also she has a husband and a child yeah and he's trying to get to the bottom of this mystery it's like man it's it's yeah. deep and you know just thinking out loud I, you know whatever um yeah there's weird stuff too with like frank being in a, an abusive relationship with her but then also she's characterized as someone who's almost like seeking abuse right because she keeps begging kyle mclaughlin yeah. to hit her and I'm not going to venture so far out to say anything about that necessarily, but you know there are there are some things in there that'll, that'll provoke them, make you think a little bit or whatever. And I, you know, neither here nor there. Um, and yeah, you get that. I I actually genuinely love. Uh, well, before we get to the third act, which I do love, I will finish my statement and say it's the third act that I want to talk about. But before that, I also like that whenever he's talking to Laura Dern's detective dad, there's always this air of like. I don't know, is he in on the conspiracy? It kind of feels like Kyle shouldn't be talking to him. He doesn't, yeah. really, it doesn't really feel safe anytime that he's talking to him, especially as like one of the guys involved in the conspiracy is like his partner and keeps yep. showing yep. up and stuff. Uh, but I do like that it ultimately comes to them like gunning down Frank's place, but Frank isn't there. And then it doesn't feel like a huge thing, but it's whatever that like he's the well-dressed man like in disguise. Because why is he in disguise necessarily? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It it's too. not answered. What's that? I said, I kind of called it, too. Mm-hmm. They show a picture of them, yeah. and you see the well-dressed man. You're like, looks like a guy in disguise. Yeah, he's got yeah. these big eyebrows and this big mustache, and I thought that was just a funny-looking guy. I'm like, this yeah. looks like a man who was wearing a disguise. Yeah. And yeah, turns out he's a guy wearing a disguise. But specifically, I love when he shows up at the apartment, and there's the guy standing over there, like his brain's blown out, but he's still standing, and he's got yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the walkie-talkie. And he clues in the detective, but Frank's also got one. And then, like, the man missing the ear, who is the jazz singer's husband, is, like, sitting there dead. And, like, especially, like, I love that he, like, tries to play it off. Like, he's gone to the back bedroom to hide and hides in the closet. And the whole time, just Dennis Hopper being great. Just like, oh, you dumb fuck! I've got a radio, too! God Christ, you dumb piece of shit! You didn't even (laughs) turn the radio off? Yeah, god damn! You know, yeah. Great. And, uh, yeah, then it's over, and it almost has this, like, ending akin to, like, I don't know, classic movie, like, and it was all a bad dream, and now it's a good dream, you know. Um, Firefighter waving at you on the truck as he passes. Yeah. And, yeah, I I, I don't know what else to say outside of, uh, yeah, maybe perhaps, like, I guess not from this movie because it would not work in Blue Velvet, but I almost want to see a little more of the the daytime suburb that David Lynch paints. Yeah. Not in this movie because I do like that you start there and then you spend the whole movie in the trenches, right? In the yeah. actual dark, right? Yeah. If it were a story circle, it's the subconscious or whatever, yada, yada, yada. 
And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I would say favorite thing David Lynch has done, perhaps not, but I love this movie and I'd probably give it a nice, you know, B plus A. Oh yeah, same. You know? uh, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I've been speaking kind of negatively about it, but no, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this movie. It had me the whole time. I would say my favorite character in it um, is in the scene where they're like uh, at the like factory or whatever at night and they're beating the shit out of Kyle McLaughlin and they play the song, whatever that song is called, I don't oh, remember. Yeah. And that woman gets out of the back of the car and gets mm-hmm. on top of it and starts Forgot dancing. About that. Yeah. She's my favorite character. Yeah. I do like that scene a lot, especially oh, yeah. once Dennis Hopper puts the lipstick on his mouth and he starts, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a love letter. Heart in dreams, I'm walking with you, and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. And overall, movie, it's neat. I'd recommend it to people. Oh, absolutely. But almost in a similar vein to the Pink Flamingos thing, as straightforward as it is, I also feel like there's a degree to which, like, you know, speaking generally and potentially being an asshole, like, do you think it would have enough hooks to just get the average moviegoer? Yeah. Yeah? Blue Velvet, for sure. Yeah. Um... I'd say because I don't know who I'd recommend it to. That I'd be like, oh, they'd love this. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'd I. I rec- feel like they'd be like, oh, it's okay, it's fine. Yeah, yeah I feel good. like people. I would say would be unoffended by it too. from everything I've seen. This is the most accessible thing mm-hmm. I've seen from David Lynch. Well, first season or two of Twin Peaks. Yeah, but like I said, there are bits on Twin Peaks where it's like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? And I never once... It and also it feels so much like a soap opera that can turn people off. Yeah. Like, I know for a long time we have a mutual friend who's always been like, it's a show about people fucking each other. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Um, but I think that first episode of Twin Peaks is... Literally a movie. It's perfect. I yeah, love it. It is perfect, and I do love it, but I think it, it is tough for somebody who isn't yeah. into David Lynch to get See? through. Like, yeah. I watched that first episode three or four times before I watched the rest, the rest of the of show. It. I'll agree with that, yeah. yeah. I remember I, like, had to force myself. I'm like, I'll right, give it a few episodes. And then mm-hmm. by episode three, I'm like, oh, I'm so fucking in it. I think, <laughs> I think that's how Twin Peaks works. You get to episode yeah. three, and you're like, oh, I'm in. And then when you rewatch it. It's like trying like, to get used to blank coffee. Oh, exactly. We, and yeah, uh, rewatching episode one, it's like, oh, this is so good. They mm-hmm. introduced 40 plot lines and it works. Um, but yeah, if I had to get somebody to be like, hey, you should watch a David Lynch thing, I would probably recommend Blue Velvet before anything else. And scene. And scene. Well, we still have a lot of time left. We did not have as much to say about these two movies as we thought we would. But we do have a little bit to say. About American Psycho. About American Psycho. Probably about 15 minutes to talk about American Psycho. Okay. Than us. Um, well, you just read the book. I just read the book. You've seen it before. I've seen it before. Well, how was your standing with the film before seeing it, reading the book? I liked it. Um, I had seen it like once or twice when I was a younger man, probably around the time I had, you know, watched Seven. So I liked it uh, probably the same amount. Um, you get, I mean, basic strokes, you get the same thing in a little book and the movie. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this insane man. Almost. I think they just lean into different things. Yes, exactly. Um, and this is maybe the first time I, well, I guess with fresh eyes, because it's been a while since I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I read the book. Day I finished the book, we watched the movie. Um, and that really hindered how much I liked the movie. Yeah. I still like the movie. But getting right off the book and then watching the movie, I'm like, mm, this is kind of silly. Yeah. And they put some stuff out of order that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, my biggest complaint would be 
at the beginning, he's, you know, doing his face care routine and talking about how he, you know, those long American Psycho explanations about just very mundane things about self-care and stuff like that. And he's, like, peeling the face mask off. And he's like, there's an idea of a Patrick Bateman. You can shake my hand and feel warmth. and You can look at my eyes, but there's no one behind there. I am simply not there. Mm-hmm. That happens toward the end of the book. Mm-hmm. The beginning, uh, through most of the book, he is still, you know, for lack of her, for as much as you can say, he's a person. He has yeah. thoughts and he has emotions, but then he starts to break as the book goes on and become more and more insane. The movie starts and he's like, I'm at a breaking point and some insane shit's going to happen. And then everything in the book happens where he's in that state of mind still. So it's a little harder to connect with him and a little harder to feel where he is in the movie. I still think it works in a different way, but it just feels a little strange because very noticeable, you know, book to movie. Almost 100% of the dialogue in this movie, actually, I think 100% of the dialogue in this movie is straight from the book. Mm -hmm. And when it's taken out of the context and he's put in a different situation mentally and he's saying these things, it feels a little different. Yeah. Um, But... Overall, I would say the movie is funnier. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy it that way. The, I feel like, you know, they're both black comedies, but I feel like the movie's a black comedy and the book is like that, like, paint that NASA invented that absorbs all lights so there's literally no reflection on it. You can't tell yeah. which way it's facing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, like I've been saying since I finished reading the book, I've been telling you, I the thing, I, the thing about the book is it makes... I don't know about anybody else, but it makes me feel like a psychopath reading it. Oh, yeah. Because he'll just be, he'll just go on. A majority of the book is him, you know, explaining what people are wearing or what the restaurant looks like or um, a whole chapter about how Genesis is very important. And then he'll hit you with an insane thing that in no context is funny except for having, after having all this boring, just derivative shit about Mm -hmm. Wall Street and consumerism and all that. And just be like, and that's why Genesis, after 20 pages of Genesis, being like, and that's why Genesis is the most important band of nineteen of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Trying to cook and eat two girls. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know. It just puts you in a, in a weird mindset that I think the movie never does. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe the, the movie doesn't need to do that. I feel like, you know, you get something different out of the movie. Yeah. But they're the same basic strokes. Like I said, the movie... Uh, Ah, I think the movie's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think it reminds me more of, like, uh, Heathers or Clue, or even to a degree, like, Pink Flamingos, right? Because it's, like, kind of yeah. making you laugh. as something you probably shouldn't laugh at, but obviously a way less offensive version of that. And, yeah, having read the book, uh, yeah, 100%. It, I think it leads in, it, it leans way more into, like, uh, you know, that thing that we've talked about in, you know, horror films or whatever. It's that thing where it's like, oh, here's this fucked up thing. Now look at it for like two minutes, you know. So you're just reading these chapters, you're like, oh god, okay, I get it. Oh my, I can't, I get it. Okay, yep, I get yeah. it. Ah, oh, jeez, Louise. Um, whereas yeah, the movie 100 percent leans more into just being kind of like a, a comedy, uh, a black one at that, and I think it really succeeds. Like, you know, I could mention things like there's that point where like you know Patrick goes on about like well we need to end world hunger and this that and the other but I think uh, uh, you know there, there's there've definitely been times where I've watched this movie a bit younger and I'm like oh okay so they're trying to humanize him a bit so you like him but the older I get I'm like no it's exactly like you know the bum 
scene. Yeah. Which is basically a personification of a, you know, uh, you know, someone sitting at a table like you and I do now. And they're like, why don't they just get a job? Right. It's supposed to be satirical and be like, yeah, yeah well, they can say that they want to help this homeless man. But this is basically what they're doing, you know. Um, and if you want to take it even farther, they might as well be shooting them in the street. You know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, the thing I think about even more than any of that stuff is, you know, him trying to feed the cat to the ATM and the woman would be like, hey, what are you doing? And then he just shoots the woman. <laughs> or, uh, you know, chasing uh, a hooker down the street uh, butt naked in white, white uh, fucking, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, what are they called? Fucking sketchers yeah, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. a chainsaw. Um, or, you know, when he finally axes... Uh, Oh, God, what's his fucking name? He spends the whole movie Paul, just Paul. Paul Allen. Paul Allen. It's, Paul I mean, Allen. it's Allen and Owen in the yeah. book. It's different in the book and the movie. But, Paul Allen. Um, yeah, like when he's like, hey, Paul, ask him. He's like, try getting the reservation at Dorcia now, you fuck. You know, I, I think that is, it is probably the most iconic, but I think it's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. so, uh, Christian Bale j- just nails it. Do you like, have like a dog or like a little chow no i do not paul yeah uh or like i love when he's like talking to him about you know he is that a raincoat is that a raincoat yes it is paul <laughs> it's so good um i will also shouts out to uh god damn willem dafoe that's his ooh, name willem dafoe love yeah willem dafoe and those scenes everything. are great love the story them. is that they shot three different versions of it right one where he's acting as if he believes patrick one as if he acts indifferent to patrick and one as if he's suspicious of Patrick and I do love that like shot to shot you get a totally different vibe yeah I really do like that I think that plays very well um I even like scenes where he's like like Scrooge fucking in like an overcoat with like a cigar and he's like clean my sheets I don't understand what you're saying to me because you know she's yeah, yeah. speaking Korean or whatever it is you know and uh you know the, 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 his friend comes in and he's like oh my god what is that and he's like it's cranberry juice can you please just I have to be uptown you know whatever you know um or that fucking and the best time that it lands because i think he uses it multiple times the i have to return some videotapes mm-hmm. but i think that's that's isn't that what he says when uh when uh god i cannot remember the character's name uh but the, the his gay colleague lewis that thinks he's coming on to him yes lewis right and he's like where are you going he's carruthers like, lewis carruthers and he's like where are you going and he's like i have to return some videotapes yeah and like that's probably my favorite the yeah. delivery of that line which is hilarious yeah it's something that comes through from the oh. book into the movie that i really like yeah it's 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 one of those things where uh, this is kind of a big problem i have between the movie and the book which i feel like it's not that much of a problem they i feel like it's just this way for the movie and it works better in the movie but i feel like in the movie again he's just a psychopath who is trying to blend in with all these wall street people yeah and he can because that's just the nature Mm-hmm. of that you know that circle that like that's the, the sense i got from the book but in the movie i'll agree with you maybe even take the words out of your mouth it feels like he's the outcast that nobody likes does it yeah because nobody even recognizes him they're always they always think they're talking to someone else they're always like oh that fucking lame well, patrick bateman well what i think it is is yeah everyone confuses him for that and in the book he confuses other people for other people mm-hmm. and everyone's confusing him and in the movie i feel like it's like this is the perfect place for this kind of person to exist in. Yeah. Because no one's really held accountable. Yeah. People aren't what people care about. Mm-hmm. So he can just kind of slip in there and go yeah. unnoticed. And Do that's how wants. it works. I feel like in the book, that's just where he is mm-hmm. naturally in life. And um, 
yes he is this insane person and to the extent where they're always explaining everybody's clothes in such great detail mm-hmm. everybody feels exactly the same mm-hmm. um and people mistake people for other people and so yeah same thing with the movie he can just kind of fit in a blend in there but it feels like he's one of these people mm-hmm. that becomes you know a psychopath yeah um well he is at the beginning of the book they don't tell you but um do you get what i'm trying to say and yes it, it, in the in the in the movie it just feels yes. like this is a perfect place for this for this psychopath to exist yeah and in the book it's the same way but also at the same time he's kind of a psychopath because he's in there you yeah know? like that's helping propel it instead yeah. of just being like "Ooh, you never know that's how fucked up these guys are yeah no, I understand what you're saying, but uh, yeah, like I say, I was a little surprised uh, that you didn't feel the same way because like, I feel like the movie plays it up almost for empathy more than the book does. Yeah. Like, yeah, I almost feel empathetic to Patrick. Like, man, like, he doesn't have any real friends. They don't even realize him. Whereas in the book, I got much more of a sense of, you know, the idea that, like, he could slip in, yada, 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 right? Yeah. Um, oh, that's what I was going to get at yeah. is the videotapes line. Mm-hmm. It's something that, I don't know if it's done on purpose or it's something that i'm reading into mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where somebody else says that mm-hmm. and then throughout the book he uses that as an excuse of, <laughs> that's great i need to return some videotapes yeah, and I, I get that yeah, yeah i get that from the movie that's mm-hmm. that's just something that he people hears people say. saying so yeah. he says but it again it just feels like since from the beginning he's like there's nobody behind these eyes yeah that it just feels like this animal and this predator mm-hmm. using that as an excuse whereas in the book he's an insane person being like well, other people say that, so I should say that because I'm trying to fit in with yeah. all these people still. And in the book, he very much, I think he says a few times, like, just, like, he's always calling women hard bodies because mm-hmm. everybody else does. And I think there's a lot in the book, I think it's when he's trying to eat them, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, these two bodies, that he's like, and even though what I'm doing is, I even realize this is messed up, I just have to remind myself, these women, these hard bodies, they're just me. They're just girls, and that fits into you know mm-hmm. just the general culture and the way everybody perceives everything. Yeah, that you know circle of people. I don't. I don't. Well, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? And that date and time and that space. Yeah, that era, being, that uh, yeah, social a, circle. That, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know that bit of the culture. That, yeah. that corner of culture. I got a question for you. Yeah. What's up? How do you feel about the uh, whoa? Did he do it? Did he not do it? And do you pick a side? And what side is that? Um, I think it is more interesting if he did it. Yeah. And he's just an insane person. But I like that it works both ways. Yeah. Like, there's no way, like, the the, the book and the movie kind of presented it to you, like, there's no way he's ever going to get caught because mm-hmm. it's just the way things work here. Mm-hmm. And he's so insane. There's no way that he's going to even catch himself mm-hmm. that he knows that he actually did it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it works pretty well that you don't get an answer to it but i do in my heart of hearts i think it's much more interesting if he actually did it yeah that's entirely fair to say uh i will say i love that little twist mainly just because like in the movie it's hilarious i don't remember exactly how it goes in the book but there's that point where he's confessing to his lawyer and he's like Ugh. and uh i hate some of their brains I just love that while he's doing it, he's trying to like downplay it a little bit by saying like some yeah, other yeah, brains and like I've, I've killed a few people and I tried to eat some other brains and stuff and it's very funny. And it's a genuine great, uh, I think it's pretty one-to-one in the book, but anyways, uh, it's a, I think it's a great twist when he's like, you know, 
you you couldn't have killed Paul Allen. I had lunch with him in London two weeks ago. But it also plays into what you're saying, where people mistake people all the time. Yeah. But I I feel like I remember in the movie, or maybe it's in the book, that Paul Allen actually does show up. But again, it's one of those things where people confuse people all the time. So yeah. even if Patrick were to see Paul Allen, is he actually seeing Paul Allen? Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you that it's much more interesting. I would say in general, I always took it to be the most applicable version in the sense that like, you know, this is just a look back at the underbelly of all these Wall Street cats and that no, he didn't do it, but these are what, this is the personality type that we're dealing with when it comes to, you know, this might as well be any Wall Street man's story, you know. Uh, but you're right also that it's more interesting if he does do it. Yeah. You know? And overall, I'm going to say mm, B minus B. Exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to yeah. give it a B. Right in there. Yeah. give the book an A though. Yeah, book's great. I love the book. Yeah, um, it decent. Is, it Again, is. I don't know how to recommend it to people. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. Um, like, I was explaining it to my brother-in-law yesterday. This, the like we said, the most iconic scene in the movie where he kills Paul Allen is very funny. It has a moment or two in the book, maybe, I think. Yeah. But... Yeah, in the movie, he hits him with the axe a couple times. Try getting at a table door stand now, you fuck. Mm-hmm. And takes the jacket off and smokes a cigar. In the book, he's, like, trying to cut his head in half mm-hmm. with the axe from his mouth. Mm-hmm. And they're almost giving you, like, detail from axe you to axe. too much detail in general. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I said it. it makes you feel like an insane person. Yeah. Because they give you too much detail with everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, just talk about the book a bit. I mean, like he said, the... Not sure if I'm cooking this right, but I've never cooked human before, so I don't know, you know. Also, I've never cooked anything before. So. Oh, yeah, yeah cooked yeah. anything before, right. Um, or, you know, like I say, like, uh, you know, I think you were describing another scene where, uh, and I remember it, but, again, it's been years since I've read the book, where he's talking about, like, fucking one of the heads? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, sorry for our more sensitive listeners. He fucks one of the heads in front of one of the girls who's still alive. Yeah. And then it's still hard after he's done. He's like, so I walk around with it a little bit with my hands up in the air. Oh, awful. Yeah, yeah, maybe this should be one where we uh, so, uh, go back and be like, hey. Yeah. Content warning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but something I, I... Sorry, this is just a book podcast now. Um, something I think was done really, really well in the book that they do in the movie because you know there's an escalation you don't just start with him killing people but you get these little hints here and there that he is this person that kills people mm-hmm. like uh, he goes to the laundromat with the sheets that are covered in blood but in the book again it's so just mundane and just so much talk about dinner dinner mm-hmm. plans and this and that and they sprinkle it in just a little bit here and there like I think the first one that really like caught me off guard or catches you off guard is he's like, yes, and then I have to return some videotapes. Uh, th- yeah, and then I returned videotapes, and uh, I rented um, Sluts Fuck Volume 4. And also, um, oh, I can't remember what the movie's called, but it's like... Well, it's like missing. Uh, in post, I've realized that we lost this part, so... <laughs> our apologies, and um, our conversation about American Psycho wasn't going anywhere anyways. Uh, So as far as I'm concerned, that's that mattress, man. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time...